Hello, everyone. It's good to have you here. It's September 13th, and this is the one-year Bible tour guide where we progressively read through the Scripture and glean its treasures that enlighten our understanding as to the truth of who God is and what He has done to accomplish a full salvaging work for those who put their trust in Him. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy concerning the Scriptures, saying that they are able to give us the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. We are reading the Old Testament and have recently started a new section known as the Prophets. And we start with the longest book, the book of Isaiah. The longer and largest books are known as the Major Prophets, and the smaller books are called the Minor Prophets. In Hebrews chapter 1 in the New Testament we read, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus, the Son of God, who is pointed to as the prophesied Lamb of God, Prince of Peace, and Eternal King in the book of Isaiah, is the one who said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. In Matthew 24, verse 35. That's quite a statement for anyone to make, to claim the eternality of one's words, forever relevant and forever true. Yet this is the claim that Jesus made regarding his words. And as we read the Psalms, we recognize that God's word is forever settled in heaven. In Psalm 119, verse 89, It is with this esteem for the written Word of God that we come to read the one-year Bible each day. How is your hunger for the Word of God? Are you developing a healthy appetite for a diet that is eternally valuable and eternally profitable? Can you say with Job, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food? Or say with the psalmist, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. In Psalm 119, verse 162. The eternal truths of God's Word have been reinforced with a full realization in God's presence, and yet there is more to come. We are promised a future return to earth to reign with Him here. We read about that peaceable kingdom yesterday in Isaiah chapter 11, when the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And Isaiah will sing about that day in today's reading in chapter 12, just before we start a new section containing nine woes or nine judgments on the nine nations surrounding Israel. And today we will finish Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. So let's get started. Are you ready? The book of Isaiah, chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Chapter 13. The Judgment of Babylon. 
the oracle concerning Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw. On a bare hill raise a signal, cry aloud to them, wave the hand for them to enter the gates of the nobles. I myself have commanded my consecrated ones, and have summoned my mighty men to execute my anger, my proudly exulting ones. The sound of a tumult is on the mountains, as of a great multitude, the sound of an uproar of kingdoms, of nations gathering together. The Lord of hosts is mustering a host for battle. They come from a distant land, from the end of the heavens, the Lord and the weapons of his indignation, to destroy the whole land. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near, as destruction from the Almighty it will come. Therefore, all hands will be feeble, and every human heart will melt. They will be dismayed. Pangs and agony will seize them. They will be in anguish like a woman in labor. They will look aghast at one another. Their faces will be aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation, and to destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising, and the moon will not shed its light. I will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant, and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. I will make people more rare than fine gold, and mankind than the gold of Ophir. Therefore I will make the heavens tremble, and the earth will be shaken out of its place, at the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. And like a hunted gazelle, or like sheep with none to gather them, each will turn to his own people, and each will flee to his own land. Whoever is found will be thrust through, and whoever is caught will fall by the sword. Their infants will be dashed in pieces before their eyes, their houses will be plundered, and their wives ravished. Behold, I am stirring up the Medes against them, who have no regard for silver and do not delight in gold. Their bows will slaughter the young men, they will have no mercy on the fruit of the womb, their eyes will not pity children. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the splendor and pomp of the Chaldeans, will be like Sodom and Gomorrah when God overthrew them. It will never be inhabited or lived in for all generations. No Arab will pitch his tent there. No shepherds will make their flocks lie down there. But wild animals will lie down there, and their houses will be full of howling creatures. There ostriches will dwell, and there wild goats will dance. Hyenas will cry in its towers, and jackals in the pleasant palaces. Its time is close at hand, and its days will not be prolonged. Chapter 14 the restoration of Jacob. For the Lord will have compassion on Jacob, and will again choose Israel, and will set them in their own land, and sojourners will join them and will attach themselves to the house of Jacob. And the peoples will take them and bring them to their place, and the house of Israel will possess them in the Lord's land as male and female slaves. They will take captive those who were their captors, and rule over those who oppressed them. When the Lord has given you rest from your pain and turmoil and the hard service with which you were made to serve, you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. How the oppressor has ceased, the insolent fury ceased. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers that struck the people in wrath with unceasing blows that ruled the nations in anger with unrelenting persecution. The whole earth is at rest and quiet. They break forth into singing. 
The cypresses rejoice at you, the cedars of Lebanon, saying, Since you were laid low, no woodcutter comes up against us. Shale beneath is stirred up to meet you when you come. It arouses the shades to greet you, all who were leaders of the earth. It raises from their thrones all who were kings of the nations. All of them will answer and say to you, You too have become weak as we. You have become like us. Pomp is brought down to Sheol, the sound of your harps. Maggots are laid as a bed beneath you, and worms are your covers. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn! How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low! You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities, who did not let his prisoners go home? All the kings of the nations lie in glory, each in his own tomb. But you are cast out, away from your grave, like a loathed branch, clothed with the slain, those pierced by the sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a dead body trampled underfoot. You will not be joined with them in burial, because you have destroyed your land, you have slain your people. May the offspring of evildoers never more be named. Prepare slaughter for his sons because of the guilt of their fathers, lest they rise and possess the earth and fill the face of the world with cities. I will rise up against them, declares the Lord of hosts, and will cut off from Babylon name and remnant, descendants and posterity, declares the Lord. And I will make it a possession of the hedgehog and pools of water, and I will sweep it with the broom of destruction, declares the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts has sworn, As I have planned, so shall it be, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand, that I will break the Assyrian in my land, and on my mountains trample him underfoot, and his yoke shall depart from them, and his burden from their shoulder. This is the purpose that is purposed concerning the whole earth, and this is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? An Oracle Concerning Philistia In the year that King Ahaz died came this oracle. Rejoice not, O Philistia, all of you, that the rod that struck you is broken, for from the serpent's root will come forth an adder, and its fruit will be like a flying fiery serpent, and the firstborn of the poor will graze, and the needy lie down in safety. But I will kill your root with famine, and your remnant it will slay. Wail, O gate, cry out, O city, melt in fear, O Philistia, all of you, for smoke comes out of the north, and there is no straggler in his ranks. What will one answer the messengers of the nation? The Lord has founded Zion, and in her the afflicted of his people find refuge. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament portion today from the book of Isaiah. Let's review what we have read and see if we can make some observations. The series of prophecies that began in chapter 7 come to an end in chapter 12. The prophecies began with a series of judgments upon God's people. 
First, he gave a prophecy to King Ahaz about God first preserving Jerusalem from the threatened invasion of Syria and Samaria. Then, he prophesies how Syria and Samaria will be swept away by the Assyrians, which will come like a flood. The invasion is likened to a mighty river overflowing its banks, submerging and spilling over the banks of the northern kingdom, and flooding the fields of Judah up to the walls of Jerusalem. In chapter 8, verses 1-10. through 10. But if King Ahaz learns to fear the Lord, he need not fear anything else. If he would esteem the Lord as his rock and sanctuary, he will know deliverance. If he refuses, the Lord will be his stone of offense and stumbling, executing punishment. King Ahaz and the people of Judah are warned of their unholy alliances with the occult in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. The nightfall of judgment is coming, but it will be followed by the dawn of deliverance. Isaiah prophesies the kingdom of the Messiah, who will bring light even to the downtrodden Galilee of the Gentiles. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, in chapter 9, verse 7. The nightfall of judgment must come first, in chapter 9, verses 8 through 19. God will use Assyria as his instrument of chastisement against the northern kingdom, and then afterwards punish Assyria. The southern kingdom would be taken into captivity in Babylon, but afterwards a remnant shall return. In the perfect time, a shoot will come out of the stump of the chopped-down tree of the Davidic dynasty. This shoot will become a fruitful branch, the true vine, who will establish his kingdom on the earth, in Isaiah chapter 11. Chapter 12 reads like a psalm. It begins, in that day, referring ultimately to the reign of Christ. The day of the Lord started with the sundown, bringing the darkness of judgment. This is followed by the day of restoration, and in the far-sighted view, the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. The nighttime of tribulation is over. The Lord Jesus is on the throne and reigning in his kingdom, and he is their strength and song. Rather than beating their breasts at Jerusalem's wailing wall, the Jews are singing praises to the triune God of their salvation. The Holy One of Israel is in their midst. The inhabitants are calling upon the only name under heaven given to men that they might be saved, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. The covenant people of God are drawing from the wells of salvation in the name of Jesus. Chapter 13 starts a new section of 11 chapters in the book of Isaiah, chapters 13 through 23. Isaiah will give nine somber prophecies of judgment, called burdens, concerning the nine surrounding nations, starting with Babylon. Once again, we will see that these prophecies can be seen through different lenses. First, there is the more immediate, local application. These prophecies were fulfilled. Then there are the long-range prophecies. Some have yet to be fulfilled. We also have an X-ray lens that enables us to see into the unseen realm of spiritual realities and the conflict of the kingdoms of light and darkness, the rule of God and the rule of Satan. The first burden concerns Babylon. At the time of the prophecy, Babylon was not yet considered a world power. The inspiration of Scripture can be seen in the prophet's accurate reading of history. The city of Babylon became the center of the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar in 607 to 571 BC. Babylon became the largest city of its day. Its name means Gate of the Gods. In 539 BC, it fell to Cyrus the Great of Persia. It will be rebuilt, and in the book of Revelation, chapters 17 and 18, 
Babylon is portrayed as a symbol of religious, governmental, and commercial rebellion against God and is under the rule of the Antichrist. Under the immediate and local application of the prophecy, Babylon will be raised up and set apart for use by God as an instrument to bring judgment upon the southern kingdom of Judah. They are called sanctified ones, meaning set apart for God's use, in chapter 13, verse 3. They will be weapons of his indignation, in verse 5, and bring destruction to the whole land, including Jerusalem and the temple. The nighttime aspect of the day of the Lord is coming. In Isaiah chapter 13, verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel, with fury and burning anger, to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. The long-range lens gives us a picture of the tribulation period described in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. Notice the global rather than local aspect pictured here. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises and the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. Isaiah chapter 13 verses 10 through 11. The short-range local lens accurately predicts that Babylon will be overtaken by the Medes and the Persians. Behold, I am going to stir up the Medes against them who will not value silver or take pleasure in gold. Isaiah 13 verse 17. However, aspects of this prophecy have yet to be fully realized or they were fulfilled in ways that are not clear. Isaiah chapter 13 verses 19 through 22 refer to its utter destruction and that it will be abandoned. There are ruins of ancient Babylon today and attempts made to build upon it. However, when the Medo-Persian king Cyrus conquered Babylon, the city itself was not destroyed. It was not until long after the Persians were conquered by the Greeks under Alexander that the inhabitants of Babylon were deported to Seleucia that Babylon became a relatively insignificant city. So there is further fulfillment to come to these prophecies. As Isaiah continues to prophesy against Babylon in chapter 14, he touches on a larger theme of the origin of evil, its judgment, and final removal. In this chapter, we see the battling forces of light and darkness, of heaven and hell. We see the judgment of God executed upon evil and the kingdom of God established with all enemies removed. The scope extends beyond the immediate and local judgment of Israel's neighbor, Babylon. The result of the final judgment at the end of the age will be, The whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into shouts of joy. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 7 Heaven will reign on the earth and hell will receive those who remain in rebellion against God. Shale from beneath is excited over you to meet you when you come. It arouses for you the spirits of the dead, all the leaders of the earth. It raises all the kings of the nations from their thrones. Isaiah 14 verse 9 The Babylonians in their pride will one day think they stand above the stars. This is true of the kings of Babylon. When we look at the pride that rules the hearts of the Babylonian rulers through the X-ray of the prophetic word, we can see the rebellion of Lucifer, the light-bearer, who becomes Satan, the adversary. Keep in mind that Isaiah is not specifically speaking of Satan here, but describing an earthly king. This could possibly be Sennacherib of 705 to 686 BC, who was the king of Assyria when Babylon was overthrown in 689 BC. Assyrian kings Tiglath-Pileser, Sargon, Sennacherib, 
were given the honorary title of King of Babylon. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn! You have been cut down to the earth, you have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will make myself like the Most High. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. The princes of this world, like the leaders of Babylon, will be judged. I will rise up against them, declares the Lord of hosts, and will cut off from Babylon name and survivors, offspring and posterity, declares the Lord. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 22. The prophecy against Assyria starts in chapter 14, verse 24. It starts with the declaration of God's sovereignty on display in all these judgments. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely, just as I have intended, so it has happened, and just as I have planned, so it will stand, to break Assyria with my land, and I will trample him on my mountains. Then his yoke will be removed from them, and his burden removed from their shoulder. This is the plan devised against the whole earth, and this is the hand that is stretched out against all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has planned, and who can frustrate it? And as for his stretched out hand, who can turn it back? The prophecy against Philistia, that is Palestine, in chapter 14, verses 28 through 32. The land on the western coast of the kingdom of Israel became populated by Philistines after the time of Abraham. By the time of the conquest of Canaan, they were enemies to contend with. This title of Philistia for the southern kingdom reflects how his people have reverted to the ways of the pagans. This prophecy is given in the year that King Ahaz died. Because Ahaz was an evil king, they might have thought their problems would be over. Despite the relative improvement of future kings, judgment against the southern kingdom was still on track. He contrasts the corruption of the majority with the faithful remnant of Zion who put their trust in the Lord. How then will one answer the messengers of the nation? That the Lord has founded Zion, and the afflicted of his people will seek refuge in it. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 32. In other words, the chastening will serve its purpose and cause some to return to the Lord. Now let's move on to the New Testament reading for today. We will conclude our reading of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 1 through 14. Final Warnings This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again I will not spare them, since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you we will live with him by the power of God. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. But we pray to God that you may not do wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right. 
though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament portion for today, and it concludes our reading of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. We learn from today's reading that Paul had a third visit to Corinth planned. In chapter 13, verse 10, he warns them that he means business and expects that the church leaders will rise to his challenge to implement healthy practices of church discipline. Spare the rod, spoil the church. He reminds them not to make surface judgments based upon personality. Some perceived Paul as being strong while being away and writing letters, but weak when making personal visits. He reminds them that the Almighty God was crucified in weakness, but his power remained intact. Paul does not boast in his natural abilities, but the new life and authority that is his in Christ Jesus. He asks them to test the authenticity of their faith. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. True Christians, those who have been born from above by the Holy Spirit, will have a new nature, a new relationship to Christ, His Word, and His Church. They will want to shun sin and pursue holiness. In the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 9, Paul reminds them what it means to be a genuine Christian. Christians are no longer in the flesh, that is, in Adam, the old nature, no longer dead in their sins. They are part of a new creation. Paul says, You are no longer in the flesh if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. This is what it means to be a Christian. Christians are those who have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The new root in their life will be evident by the new fruit, the fruit of the indwelling Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, Paul concludes his letter expressing his positive expectations in prayer. In verses 7 through 10, his prayer is that they will aim to be like Jesus, that they would mature in their faith, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, that they would be of one mind, experiencing the love and peace of the Lord. His benediction is one we would wish on all God's people. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Now let's move on in our Bible tour to the book of Psalms. Psalm 57, verses 1 through 11. Let your glory be over all the earth. To the choir master, according to Do Not Destroy, a mictam of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. Psalm 57 Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. 
God will send out His steadfast love and His faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. There are two parts to this psalm. The first is one in which the psalmist is desperately taking refuge in the Lord, his hiding place. In Psalm 57, verses 1 through 4, here he cries out for mercy. The second part is where he is in a position of danger, and yet his heart is steadfastly set on the Lord, resolutely offering him praises and song. Verses 5 and 11 contain the same refrain. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. Psalm 57, verses 5 and 11. And now for our final stop on our Bible tour today, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 23, verses 9 through 11. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their cause against you. It is likely that you are wasting your breath if you are instructing someone who has proven to continually reject wisdom. They often scorn anyone who seeks to change them. Don't even think about cheating someone of what is rightfully theirs, such as property marked by a boundary stone. God is a defender of the fatherless and will not let you get away with it. He will please their case against you. Let's pray together. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and may your glory fill all the earth. Truly your word can be trusted. Thank you for the warnings of Scripture, of both the reality of judgment and the promised dawn of your reigning in righteousness. We choose to seek first your kingdom and serve your purposes in our generation. May your truth be found governing our thoughts and motivating our wills today. May your love and peace rule our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We made progress in our reading of the book of Isaiah, and we have concluded reading Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Tomorrow we start a new book in the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Galatians. So I pray that you will eagerly return tomorrow, and we will continue to read. We encourage you to go to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the One Year Bible Tour Guide. That way you can get prompted so you never miss an installment. If you would like to know more about New Life Community Church and our ministries and resources, you can go to our website, newlife.org, and there you can subscribe to a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's Bible reading from the One Year Bible. And if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. Let me leave you with a benediction we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
be with us all. Amen.